an engineer brings together end users and those who can build and tries to bring out the best in both. Problem solving is a big part of what engineers do. It's providing solutions for society to make the quality of our lives all better. A cynic in me might say an engineer is someone who converts coffee into drawings. Welcome, my name is Dusty Rhodes and this is episode two of our Digitalization in Engineering mini-series, where experts at the forefront of their engineering fields explore how digitalization has been woven into the fabric of business and society and how Irish engineers are rising to the challenge. Today we have another three amazing guests for you. They are the Digital Lead for Construction at PM Group, Michael O'Shocknessy. Michael is responsible for the delivery of PM Group's Strategic Digital Plan for Construction 2025. Dara Ryan is a Design Manager at Horizon Offsite, whose work focuses on the design and management of light gauge structural steel frame projects across Ireland and the UK. And from MMA Consulting, we're joined by electrical engineer Ed Arnott. Ed's background is in the industrial gas and petrochemical industries and specialises in hazardous area electrical design. Let me start with Dara. Dara, you're an off-site engineer and I can't think of anyone more perfect to benefit from digitisation. How has it shaped your industry over the last 10 to 15 years? Yeah, so off-site construction is a relatively new industry and it is born out of digitalization, really. So it's something that's more and more possible as digitalization progresses. When you do a building offsite, you need a lot of coordination up front in the design. You can't really figure it out. Well, you can. You can figure it out on site, but that slows everything down and that goes back to the more traditional way of doing things. But offsite construction, you do your your drawings and model and 3D up front. You coordinate where the M&E, where the services are going, where all the steps, where the architect wants doors, windows, whatever. So all that is done up front in advance. And then you manufacture the, the, the material before it comes to site. So, you know, without the digitalization, offsite construction would be, you know, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be where it is today anyway. And Ed, as an electrical engineer, how has digitization shaped your industry? I suppose the main impact has been the speed at which you can perform a calculation. Electrical engineering has always been a sort of iterative process. Every time you make a a small change, you have to, say, increase the size of a cable and maybe increase the size of a fuse and maybe you change the cable route. And all of these little changes can have a big impact on the design. So having a system where you can calculate and recalculate very quickly is extremely useful. And then, of course, there's the uh, means of recording the information and sharing it with other fields. So some programs allow you to do that and to keep a good record of all the equipment that you plan to use. And Michael, I think the title of your job just shows the change that we have seen in some engineering firms. You are the digital lead at PM Construction. Is this a sign of the importance that digitization is having at the company? Absolutely. We, we have a, a strategic plan for 2025 led by, I suppose, a, a term we call DELPD, uh, Digitally Enabled Lean Project Delivery. 
digital being the enabler, lean being the foundation, you know, reducing waste from processes and, and trying to get gain real value for our customers down the line as we deliver projects. So it's somewhere we have to go. It's primarily driven by a major skill shortage in the industry. Demands now are through, you know, gone through the roof. Clients want buildings built immediately as the, you know, they, they want to get the products on the market. And, you know, we're seeing something, uh, just to go back to Dara's point, you know, we're seeing a huge amount of offsite manufacturing and, and, and lean and digital underpins, you know, the speed of the, how we can now deliver. So it's, it's where the industry is going and, and PM Group are, are trying to stay ahead of the curve and, and get there, you know, you know, as the front runners, you know. Can I ask all of you, these changes in digitization, has it changed the way that you approach a project in the first place? So if, if somebody says to you, we need X building facility in Y place, has that changed how you start with your blank sheet of paper? What do you think, Dara? Yeah, it, it, it would. It would. Like, first of all, the digitalization process allows you to, to visualize things very, very quickly. So site constraints, you know, that can be easily understood before ever you're on site. You know, what, what roadways are near, is there's rail networks near. So setting up the site and site safety, that's, that's a huge thing now that, that can be done through digitalization that couldn't be done previously. Also, what you can do with digitalization is get experts involved that might necessarily be from that location. For example, you can get experts in from abroad, from other parts of the country, you know, that have more experience with the problem at hand. And you can do that through digitalization, whether it's, you know, video calls or, you know, um, remote working, things like that, you know. So, so on that side of things, it, it, it leads to more a collaborative working um, environment where things are safer, you get the experts there and it leads to just better project delivery. And Michael, how has digitization changed the way you approach a project? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good question, and ultimately it, it underpins, you know, the whole digital transformation. So, how we started this journey was we tried to understand what we do, and the key to doing that is identifying what are all our core processes. So, once we defined and were very clear of what our processes were, we looked at where we potentially could strike value by optimizing how we deliver those processes. So, what we found was is in any project life cycle. The construction side is where potentially the most risk is. It's where the more things can go wrong. It's the longest time on site. You've got more people that are moving. You've got a lot of equipment moving in. You know, that's where the real efficiency has to, needs to start. So we looked at that in, in real detail and we, I suppose, identified certain processes and we f- felt that if we digitized those processes from you know, making information better available and um, through collecting data, we could ultimately remove some of the people and waste from, from projects. So to do that, what we did was we identified core activities that we would not have typically done at design stage. So we would embed certain information into the models. We would do certain activities at design stage that when the information moved to the construction phase, that information was readily available information was set up to be utilized efficiently, accessed efficiently, and ultimately we can try to drive a, 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 you know, an improved quality or a more efficient quality product you know, when it, once we get to construction stage. So we put a huge amount of effort now up front when planning out a project because, uh, as I said, the risk is at construction stage and that's where you have to plan better now to make these gains and, and 
drive these efficiencies. All right, uh, let's get away from talking about things in general and explore things a little bit more specifically. I'd like to start with Ed on this because, Ed, you're very much into the digitization programs side of things. How does using software now differ from the way things used to be done by hand? Well, some of the guys I trained with will give you stories from the 70s about uh, plotting on a graph what a fuse would do and how much energy would go through it. Now, the great advantage of um, the program that I use at the moment, uh, Trimble, is that it's actually designed around the regulations. So I know not only the capability of the equipment, but I also know what is considered safe and legal, and therefore I can adjust my design accordingly. So, for example, um, things like the tolerances of cables are based around standards that are actually derived from the British and Irish standards. And because you know what the standards are and you know what the regulations are and you know what is physically capable, then you know what the project is that you're working on. So you're able to put all of this together within that software and boom, you can make it all happen much quicker. Precisely. So the software already knows that I have to comply with the standards. I just need to tell it what I intend to do and it figures out the best way to get there. Tell me about this software that you're using. It's a Trimble Pro Design. Now, I take it you don't work for them or you're not paid for them. This is not a sponsored feature or anything like that. Tell me in a sentence what Trimble Pro Design does. Is it for electrical only or can it be adapted elsewhere? It is only electrical. It is mostly a low-voltage design tool. And explain to me what that is. So if I am uh, designing a low-voltage power system and I want to decides what size of cable to use or what size of fuse I need. I can use this program to calculate those things. I can also simulate an overall power system, how much energy I'll need, uh, what would be the effect if there was a problem on that system, where is it likely to fail, that sort of thing. And is this a piece of software that you need to license and install on your network or various machines on your network, or is it something that operates in the cloud? Uh, it's an installed piece of software, I understand. And then how does it update itself? How does it keep itself uh, regulated with the regulations, as it were? Well, um, the software developer Trimble issues regular updates. Uh, obviously, you need to maintain your license, but uh, yes, each time the regulations are updated or each time a manufacturer brings a new piece of equipment to the market, then the database is automatically updated with this extra information. So let me ask you about speed. When you sit down and you're doing a project and you try to decide what it is you're going to use and which cables you're going to use and how long they need to be and all that, how long would that have taken to do on paper? Well, um, there are back-of-the-envelope calculations you could probably do, but to give an accurate calculation, it might take an hour or so to do um, a calculation which might take a matter of minutes now. So you're literally saving hours on every project. Right. But the real benefit is if you need to make a change, because whereas you have to start again from scratch on paper with this system, you simply click a button, see what would happen if the cable route was longer, for example, and you can do so instantaneously. Does that help you then when you're trying to design and you're trying to explore new ideas and you say to yourself, what if you're able to make those changes and see what happens? 
It's good for what-if scenarios. It's also good if there is, say, a late change in construction, say, if you have to move a substation or perhaps a different piece of equipment is proposed from what you originally intended. Then you can see what the impact would be and you can accommodate it very quickly. And do you find that that software also helps you to make better designs? I'd like to think it's both better and more efficient. Um, you shouldn't need to build in such big tolerances if you can calculate accurately what to expect. Very good. Uh, Michael, let me move on to you. When you are looking back on some of your work with renewable energy, how has digitization shaped some of those processes? I suppose when I was working in renewable energy, I worked on a project or the products that we developed was designed to be remote and actually below sea level. So getting information and data off that product was something that, um, you know, was a huge challenge. You know, there was a huge amount of research into, you know, what information should be gathered, what information would tell us what would enhance the performance of the machine. So what we find now and how that's transferable to the type of sector I'm in at the moment is you've got teams and teams of people that are spread across the world from clients to design teams. So you're ultimately gathering similar types of data and making it available that provides the right information, valuable information to all those that need it, regardless of where they are in the world. So, Dara had referred to collaboration as being an advantage of the digital world. Do you find that there is a lot of that collaboration going on? Probably one of our main innovations or initiatives this year has been to release what we call the collaboration portal, which ultimately is each project now has its own I suppose website for want of a better term um, it, it's got all the specific project information it's got a shared collaboration space where you know the, that entire team work and save all of their information or access their information but I suppose where the benefits are is each project's collaboration portal are structured identical so where we have teams that are you know a bit more dynamic that are moving from project to project they can go to the very same location regardless of the project and find that very same piece of information that's relevant to that project. So, uh, you know, collaboration is key. Uh, similarly to that, we've, uh, you know, launched uh, an initiative called Tiered Agility, which is ultimately how we structure and manage our meetings right down from the daily huddles that the designers will have, you know, in relation to what their daily tasks are right through to coordination between the different teams to the different trade partners that we work with, right through to management and then at leadership and governance level um, where we're dealing with clients. So we have a real firm structure on how we want teams to communicate. So that means the people at the top have visibility and can access the, the core information that would matter to them and matter to the clients when they, you know, and gain that and ga gather that efficiently. Traditionally, projects would have typically, at the outset, sort of set itself up, you know, in its own way, particularly large projects. You know, every project manager may have, historically may have had their own flavor of how they want to structure the project. But, but by bringing in this standardization, enables digital uh, and, and I suppose enables efficiency. So as people move around, they're, they're, they're working in a common environment. So is this part of the strategic digital plan that you're putting together for PM? Uh, absolutely, yeah. It, it's standardisation, and it, and that's key to success here. It would be 
very difficult to digitize, you know, multiple flavors of the one way of working. So you have, we have to standardize. And, you know, if you have a common way of working, you can then enhance that way of working with it, with one digital solution. And albeit you can improve that digital solution over time, but I suppose all of these digital solutions, you know, require investment. So, you know, you need to, you know, invest and get benefit out of that and use that investment and, and product across multiple projects to gain the value from it. We had a huge helping hand from COVID because it just accelerated everything that was digital. And that's terrific. But now we've been through that and we've made a lot of advances in collaboration and being able to work across digital platforms. With your own strategic digital plan within PM, what's your biggest challenge over the next six months? It's a good question. Everybody's back to work and everybody is traveling again. And the demands from the sector are huge. I suppose it's fixing on, you know, certain processes, ensuring that we gain that real efficiency, you know, knowing exactly where we want to push our digital, take our digital journey. That's the, the, the probably the big push. But I suppose the demands on the business to accelerate and, and the digital team to be able to maintain that speed is, is going to be the challenge. Dara, off-site construction is your area and digitization must have made a huge difference in that. How do you explain to people the advantages of off-site versus more traditional on-site construction? So off-site, what, what, it, what it aims to do, right, um, it, it's, it aims to construct buildings more quickly, um, more reliably and sustainably by taking work away from site and using off-site construction, right? So off-site isn't just like gauge steel, what I do. There's two main types of it. There's there's 2D systems, and that includes like gauge steel frame, which is what I'm involved. That would also include timber frame, precast panels, CLT. But there's also 3D offsite systems as well, volumetric systems, like mod- modular systems. You know, so Horizon, we're, we're part of an ETEX group now. So we, we mainly focus on residential buildings. So everything from high apartment blocks, concrete floors to small houses, lightweight floors, student accommodation, hotels, healthcare. When you compare it to traditional construction, which is a more linear approach, first the foundations get built, then the walls, then each floor and the roof, you know, whereas offsite construction, things can happen in parallel. And that ties in, you know, the digital process that allow that to happen. But for example, while the foundations are being built, you can have walls being made in a factory. And then as the floors go up, you can be fitting out your internal. So things, things happen in parallel. That speeds up time on site. So we can cut down, you know, a structural frame program for a superstructure of, of up to say 50% with like gauge steel compared to traditional construction. I just want to double check that. You're telling me that you can build the building 50% faster. Yeah, true. We we just do the structural frame, but we normally allow, like if we're on a housing scheme, three days per house, that's walls up, floors in, roof on, watertight structure. Okay. Uh, if it's apartment block, I mean, I, they all vary in size, but you're talking a typical apartment block oh, a week per floor to construct it, you know, so... So you are talking about a 50% um, saving to, say, some of the more traditional methods. So offsite, if it's utilized right and that pre-design stage goes in early, you can have massive savings and get reduced at site time. You can get revenue earlier, you know, from selling your buildings or renting. It depends what they're being used for. 
So it, it has massive, massive advantages in terms of speed. I guess then another advantage uh, it would be the sustainability side of things. You know, it tends to be a lot lighter. It's it's less carbon uh, footprint than say your your heavier, say more concrete based masonry block schemes. So sustainability is is also another you know key advantage in in it. And I suppose we touched on the other things earlier, but like quality control, it's in a factory environment. It also leads to safety. You know, so there, there's a lot of advantages with light gauge and offsite in general that are coming into mainstream more and more now. And, and, and Michael will, will testify to that. But we saw the opportunity in the market. And, you know, that, that's why we're here today, um, really, that there is an opportunity. It has advantages and, and it can, you know, deliver housing and buildings, you know, affordable and quickly. How about digitization with clients? Because, I mean, it's great for ourselves to know the industry and we know all the parts, but what about trying to get the clients in understanding the design? Yeah, so what we do is we develop a pre-construction model is what we call it. We, we call it a pre-con model for short. And we work in the Autodesk Revit environment. So we build a volumetric model, which is basically just shell elements of the walls because our walls will have a certain thickness you know for the the system build so we build a volumetric model and coordinate that with the architect you know so the openings are in the right place they're the right size the walls are in the right place steps in the slab whatever and then also bring in the other design team members so mechanical and electrical is a huge part so we would model in openings where the services need to be and and there's huge openings in buildings these days for mechanical ventilation, for example, we would model in them openings, have them pre-made in the factory so that no um, subsequent work needs to be done on site. And we would use this model as the basis to collaborate with the client and the client's design team. We would issue out the model with drawings and that would be used as a tool to comment back to us to build this model accurately. We then use that model then to do everything internally. It becomes our kind of central design. So we use it to do the structural engineering. We export the steel if there's hot rolls, columns and beams in it to, to the steel fabricators for, for fabrication. And we also then export it to um, our own in-house detailing software to detail the studs. So that pre-con model in Revit becomes a central model for all the coordination and all the design and and then the the manufacturing design as well. Let me ask you all, because there's pros and cons to everything in life, and we've been talking very much about the pros of digitization, how wonderful it is. What is the one thing that niggles you that is not being looked after at the moment? I'll start with Ed on that one. Hmm. Uh, interesting question. I suppose for me, it's probably about sharing information amongst disciplines. So with my design software, I can export the information to Revit, for example, but it's a little bit harder to get information back from Revit if somebody else makes a change. So I have to maybe manually update the model or change the calculation myself. Uh, and why is that? Is it the same software that they're using or are they using a different software to you? It's different software packages. I think part of the problem is that different disciplines require fundamentally different things in their calculation. So in my field, electrical, a lot of what I do is, it's nebulous. Um, we don't look at the 
physical equipment per se, we look at its capabilities. But we must also be aware that um, the physical size of our equipment has an impact on other disciplines. So we have to allow space, as Dara was saying, for risers and opes and that sort of thing. And if somebody decides that we have to have root cables through a different route, that means they have to be longer, which means we have to redesign them and so on. And how do you think that that problem can be solved? Well, I suppose uh, if there were one overarching program that could do everything, it would be nice. I sometimes wonder if uh, something like um, a VR system might help if you could get a, a virtual design team and actually visualize what you're designing. So if you could meet together and say, this is my system, this is where I think it needs to go, this is how much space I need, and then you could change the virtual model to suit and agree things that way rather than exchanging drawings and then going through another iteration. Dara, do you think that that idea of virtual reality will work across the various disciplines? Yeah, it, it could work and it raises an interesting point. But I, I think the key, what, what Ed is trying to say there, and it's very important, is how the different software packages talk to each other. And that could be something that should be, well, it should be something that's improved. It isn't great. We have something now, an IFC, which is generally a 3D model type that can be imported into most other software packages, but it's still not perfect. And I, I think discussion between different software companies on how they can work together and import and export compatible formats, that, that's, that's clear. I also think one of the big things might be a, um, training. There's new software updates every year for, for all the programs, but there'll be new things on Revit that we won't be able to use because we're, we're not trained to use and we don't know about them. So I think there needs to be a more proactive approach in the industry to train people up and keep uh, developing that skill set, you know, so that when the new things become available, we can pick them up straight away and realize their advantages straight away. I think that's something that the industry could do better, maybe have a, a, a training group or society. I know there's, you know, obviously stuff it with Engineers Ireland and, and, and that, but perhaps a dedicated uh, digital one. Michael, uh, do you find with different disciplines wanting to work with each other and then, of course, having different pieces of software or even within one discipline, you've got variants of software. How are you getting across this problem with the strategic plan at PM? We would have multiple tools, like Autodesk is probably a big product that's on the market, but we'd, we'd also have a Hexagon products, which is a competitor. Um, and particularly in the you know, complex projects that we work in, certain products are preferred in industry for delivering complex pharma lines, for instance, whereas, you, you know, Autodesk is probably the more collaborative suite. We go to great lengths to get coordination and collaboration uh, happening between our disciplines. And I, I suppose where information is not fully translatable, we've developed other processes to gather information from these specific tools to ensure that they are available to those who need it. Um, but it, it does take, uh, it takes a lot of people um, and it takes good processes to ensure that that collaboration happens and, and it, it doesn't come cheap. You know, and, and those processes, I suppose, are continuously improving. We have a team of people, part of our digital team, working constantly on, on, on developing and improving those processes. 
uh, ensure that we stick with what's going on in the market. Time is one thing and money is another. And I'm quite sure that you find that people are another area. Uh, do you find that there is a reluctance for people to learn new digital tools? Uh, no, I, I would think I would think there's a great lot of frustration in industry. Um, the demands, external demands on, on individuals um, just due to the, the workload that's out there at the moment is, is, is probably tremendous. So people want to do better. They want to get through work quicker. There's no doubt about that. And, 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 you know, when this new technology comes, people really, really do embrace it is what our experience is. And, and, uh, you know, always are willing to go that extra, go to that extra effort to, you know, upskill and develop their skills to, understand what's now available in the market and how they can you know, make life a little easier for themselves, I suppose. I'd uh, like to wrap up today by giving each of you a chance to ask each other cross-questions because I'm sure when you're listening to what everybody else has been saying, there might be stuff in your head that you want to ask each other. Uh, Dara, is there anything you'd like to ask Ed or to ask Michael? Yeah, Ed, obviously coordination with M&E is, is a huge part of what we do and, and the big thing that we find is there's a detachment between the consultants, the, the M&E consultants and the contractors who are doing the work on site. You know, it seems that the consultants don't fully do the spatial design really of where ducks need to go. And it's more about um, a performance spec. And I'm wondering how could we bring that design process in, let's say, mechanical and electrical forward so that it could be coordinated at an earlier stage? Would it be worthwhile for clients to get, you know, the M&E contractors in earlier as opposed to waiting for, you know, site to to happen, you know, to work alongside the design process? I can see some mileage in that. I've had one project in particular where a uh, building design was completed and I was expected to find a way to get the M&E services from the basement to some uh, heat pumps on the roof with absolutely no service rises in the entire building. So I, I think you're right. Possibly um, some early discussions would help. And I suppose this goes back to my idea of, of virtual reality, the VR, that you can talk through these things and maybe shift things around within your virtual building before you start drawing up plans. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Then for, for Michael, it seems that digitalization is more industry-led than legislation-led at the moment. And I think that's largely driven by what saves money we will use. So what do you think has been the biggest advancement quite re- recently in, in either your strategy or, or in, in digitalization that you, that you can see? I, I guess access to information has probably been, you, you know, the, the cloud really has transformed things. It's not long ago since, you know, every office in the world, certainly in Dublin, had a huge server room where, you know, you needed to be in the office, you needed to be on the network to access files, access information. We've got people spread across the world working in the same environment, in the same space, and they're getting instant updates. Information is updating in real time from you know locations right across. So that what the cloud has has changed is just you know been probably been the biggest uh, transformation. I, sus- I suppose. Yeah, and just to add to that, I suppose it also has helped projects. I, I remember in the past 
you know, when there wasn't the proper BIM system and, you know, file sharing system, you could have one set of uh, consultants, whether they're the structural or architect or whatever, working with revision six and suddenly actually revision 10 is the latest revision. So having a kind of cloud-based BIM service for a project as well has eliminated that from what it used to be. You know, so there's one true copy and that's the latest file. Can I throw in a question for Ed, because we're talking about the cloud and everything being available everywhere at every time. Ed, you were saying that the software that you use, Trimble, is based on the actual computer and getting updates doesn't happen as quick as you might have in the cloud. Do you have problems like that and keeping you up to speed with working with other people using that same software? Well, that's the program, but the files upon which you're working are obviously stored any way you like. So those can be on a project server and often are. All right. Okay. So you get around it that way. Uh, Ed, have you got a question for Michael or a question for Dara? I suppose probably best directed at Michael. With a design project, obviously we've been discussing a lot about um, the upfront design and how we can deliver, say, a completed building. When it comes to the finished product, what happens with your um, your as-built drawings? Is there a way in which digitization can make the handover package better? So all the documentation, for example, for the end user or for the local authority or whomever. Thanks, Ed. That's a good question. Um, it's, it's certainly something that I've spent a lot of time <laughs> working on in recent times. So it's very f- fresh in my mind. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so the work we do typically up front by developing the design, harvesting the data out of the design tools, and we, we package that data and information into our portals. When we get to construction stage, we use digital applications to manage the inspection processes. And what we're doing in, in, in many cases, we're, we're actually automatically populating some of the inspection forms from the data that's harvested out of design. So you're instead of using the old notepad or the, the, the clipboard uh, where you're manually typewriting in figures and tag numbers of equipment um, for, for part of the inspection processes, that's now all automated into the, uh, into the form. So an inspector will arrive to site, he's got a certain amount of inspections to do, and all the forms are partially pre-populated. And all they got to do is execute this step. So with that, then the as-bills and the inspection records all form part of the turnover package because they're in a digital environment and the models are all in a 3D environment that gets turned over as a combined package and ultimately then uh, populates the operations and maintenance uh, software package that they use for operating the system. The real value in that is, is, if something fails or they have a maintenance strategy, they can go back and see who inspected a particular instrument or the particular piece of equipment, when it was inspected, by who, what tests, what were the figures. And, and that should inform then how and when they may maintain a piece of equipment or up, up, you know, replace a piece of equipment or service a piece of equipment through the operation of the, of the, the facility that they're working in. Um, so it, it, there's huge advancements in that space, but we probably have a lot more to do. Michael, I'll wrap up with yourself. Do you have a question for Ed or Dara? Uh, yeah, I've got, um, I'm not sure where to, where to start, but I suppose maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe for, uh, for, for Dara, obviously 
quality assurance now is a big thing, certainly in our industry. I suspect it's the same as yours. And I'm a great believer in offsite offsite manufacturing. Do you find you have good quality processes or good digital quality processes for you know product? Because obviously when something gets shipped out of your facility and lands on site, what's your kind of view on that? Exactly. Yeah. So look, we, we've we've improved that massively over the last uh, couple of months, but we've we're introduced a digital process here where each panel gets a QR code and that QR code is, is stuck onto that panel with it with a sticker. Every time that panel goes through a different process in the factory, it's rolling. That's when the QR code is stuck on. Then it goes to assembly and then it goes to add insulation and boarding and things like that. Every time it's scanned and more information is inputted in. And then eventually when it comes out the other side of the factory and loaded onto a trailer, before it's loaded, it's also scanned. So when you scan that panel, you can see who rolled it, who assembled it, who put the boards on, what time, what day, when it was loaded on the truck, when it was delivered to site. So it follows that process through and we know exactly, you know, it ties back to your quality process, but you know who who did it and where the responsibility, where, if there's any problem, where was the breakdown? And then, you know, like the the processes then that you have um, talked about filling in the inspection forms, we also have something very similar. It's it's an app for our site inspections where we can take a photo and we can drop a pin on the drawing and it's all on the app. So the photo is at the pin and there's a small comment, for example, please insert a new screw or something like that. You know, So we've got a full quality process that brings in the digital side of things that really benefits the end user as well because they have a higher quality product. Well, I think it might be fair to say that you're all very much proponents of digitization, but more collaboration and more things working together would be helpful. Michael O'Shocknessy, Digital Lead for Construction at PM Group, Dara Ryan, Design Manager at Horizon Offsite, and Ed Arnett from MMA Consulting. Thank you so much to you all for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about what we spoke about on the podcast, of course, you'll find show notes and link details in the description area of your podcast player right now. Our Amplified podcast was produced by dustpod.io for Engineers Journal. You'll find advanced episodes on our website at engineersireland.ie or just press follow on your podcast player to get our next episode automatically. Until next time, from me, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening. Listening.